Are you between a rock and a hard place? Are you not sure if you're a sinner or a saint? Do you think you've lost your salvation? Let me take you to the New King James Version. In the book of Matthew, chapter 18, verses 12 through 14, and Jesus says, What do you think if a man has a hundred sheep and one of them goes astray? Does he not leave the ninety-nine and go to the mountains to seek the one that is strained? And if he should find it, assuredly, I say to you, he rejoices more over that sheep than over the 99 that did not go astray. Welcome to Save the Lost at All Costs. Hosted by Save the Lost at All Costs, Inc. Featuring your sister in Christ and humble servant of the Lord, Nina S. Griffin. Hello, this is Pastor Joseph Terry, and you're listening to Save the Loss at All Costs. Sister Nina is not on the air today. She's in the mission field, but she will be back next Sunday. I would like to open up the phone lines right away. If you're local, you can call 702-650-5588 to join our discussion today. Again, if you are local, please call 702-650-5588 to speak directly with us. If you are outside the local Las Vegas area, please call our toll-free number at 800-366-8883. Again, please call 800-366-8883 to join our discussion today. We are being broadcasted live on the KKVVAM and FM dial at 10:60 a.m. and 101.5 a.m. Also, we are being audio and video streamed from KKVV's website, and that website is www.kkvv.com. I just waved to you, and. Uh, all of you in Radio Land that are watching as uh, we stream live, and God bless you. Uh, we are also being audio and video streamed from Save the Lost at All Costs website at www.savethelostlv.org. If you missed any of our previous broadcasts, please visit our website at www.savethelostlv.org. Org and listen to what you've missed at no charge. The gospel is always free on our watch. You can also make a safe and secure online donation to this Bible teaching weekly radio ministry by visiting our website at www.savethelostlv.org. We thank God for your faithful listening support, words of encouragement, and loving donations. Now, what I'd like to do I am expecting a guest that may be running late today. Pray that uh, he makes it here. Uh, That would be uh, the Reverend uh, Eugene Staples. Um, Hopefully he'll make it. uh, But until then, I'm going to get right into the topic. Um, And the topic that we'll be addressing today is, Has the Church Lost Credibility with Society? Now, I would like for you to turn uh, your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 1 because we're going to use this scripture as a 
backdrop, but I want to just give you a little information that I got uh, from uh, this uh, individual by the name of Gregory Baum. And um, this is from the credibility of the church. And it's um, from pages 121 through 176, Burns and Oates Limited, 1968. It's a republished um, um, on the website where I got this from. And, of course, uh, anything that uh, you might want to use from it, you would need permission. Uh, their website is www.womenpriest.org. Um, Teaching bomb uh, was a forward slash bomb dot asp. And again, the topic today is: Has the church lost credibility with society? Um, in this information that I have, this is just this particular source's views of uh, the credibility of the church and I want to share this because I know that there are a number of groups that have different views about the credibility and I'll share some things uh, from my personal experience and my personal knowledge of what I've seen the church go through. Um, but this is how it reads. In our first chapter we defined the ecclesial mystery as the presence of God to sinful men, enabling them to become community. The mystery of Christ manifests itself wherever people, through God's presence to them, are reconciled to one another and thus become more truly themselves. This mystery is announced and celebrated in the Christian church. While this redemptive mystery is operative everywhere, the message of the mystery and man's declared faith in it are found only in the Christian church or, more correctly, constitutes the church in her being. Through the celebration of word and sacrament and the presence of the Spirit, the Christian church comes into being as the fellowship, local and universal, of the faithful. Despite the sinfulness that pervades the life of the church and manifestations of social pathologies, the church remains church. In the power of the Spirit, she continues to believe, proclaim, and celebrate the good news. That is to say, the message of God's redemptive involvement in human life. The church is constituted by a mystery that is, strictly speaking, universal. In chapter 1, we also acknowledge the presence of Christ in all the Christian churches. All the churches are abode of the Spirit. We acknowledge, moreover, that in the present day, each church is in need of dialogue and cooperation with the other churches. And we expressed the hope that the ecumenical movement may eventually initiate the churches into the identical self-understanding. We indicated also that today, the unity and well-being of the church demands dialogue and cooperation with the entire world of men. Only in this way can the church open herself unreservedly to God's redemptive presence in humanity. 
we have called this the open church. Now here is uh, something they call the Catholic claim. At the same time, the Vatican Council continues to claim that among the Christian churches, the Catholic Church holds a unique position. One, there is a sense in which she is the one church of the Lord. This special claim does not mean that Catholics are better Christians than others or that the Catholic Church is holier than other churches. The claim has to do with the Catholic Church as an institution. Some Catholics find this claim to uniqueness difficult to accept. They regard it as a remnant of institutional pride. They rejoice that at Vatican II, the Catholic Church has understood herself as the open church, that is, that she has become sensitive to the redemptive work of God in other churches and beyond them in the world of men. But they regard the continued insistence on Catholic uniqueness as an inconsistency and an unreasonable attachment to the past. Rosemary Ruther is an eloquent exponent of this view. Here is her way of formulating it. Catholicism in terms of its presence or official statements operates out of a set of premises that although showing progress in ecumenical attitudes nevertheless prevent it from being fully ecumenical. Catholicism views itself as the place where the Christian faith and the Church of Christ exist in their fullness. It is in the fullness sense of the word, the Church, i.e., the place where Christ's work of redemption is in its most complete form. This model of understanding, the Church, makes it necessary in some way or other. However, this may be underplayed for apologetic purposes to define all other Christian traditions as relatively inferior in relation to Catholicism. I do not buy this model. I do not regard Protestants, Protestants as second-class Christians, and I do not judge their faith relative to the Catholic model. From the viewpoint of the previous model of Roman Catholicism, I am not a Roman Catholic. Two. But from the viewpoint of another model, Rosemary Ruther does call herself Roman Catholic. She rejects the Protestant model of the church. In other words, she does not acknowledge that the 16th century reformers had the special insight into the biblical message which gives the churches of the Reformation a privileged hold on the gospel of Christ and makes them automatically bearers of light and prophetic voices of reform. She believes, rather, that the time has come when Catholics and Protestants must abandon their exclusive, uh, exclusivist positions. Today, Christians are called to live the Christian life in a new age where they must discover and must discover the meaning of church and determine new organizational forms of mutuality and social cohesion. I believe, she writes, that we are called to be Christians first of all, and not Protestants and Catholics, and that the terms Protestant and Roman Catholic should be regarded as statements of our tribal affinity and responsibility and 
a confession of our sins and not statements of faith. Three, in this sense, then, in terms of spiritual culture, uh, liturgical experience, and social heritage, Rosemary Ruther regards herself a Catholic. Now, I know that was quite a bit of reading, but I wanted to set the backdrop for what we're talking about today. Has society, uh, has the church lost credibility with society? And I wanted to use 1 Corinthians chapter 1 as a means of clarifying the issue because what I see happening today, of course, we know over the past 20 years, there's been um, a lot of scandal uh, when it comes to the Catholic Church. So uh, nobody can really say from a Catholic point of view that the Catholic Church is the church that represents the work of Christ, although it should. Um, but we know that with all of the uh, the scandal that have occurred over the past 20 years with the Catholic Church, that certainly there's been a dim view of the credibility and, and even the integrity of the Catholic Church. But it wasn't that long ago, maybe 10 to 15 years ago, that the uh, president or the head of the National Baptist uh, Convention was um, indicted and sentenced to do time in prison for mishandling funds and things of that nature. So I really believe that when we look at whether it's the Catholic Church or the Protestant Church, that we've had some issues in both of those arenas, if you will, or if you want to speak of the ecumenical community, it's been challenged when it comes to credibility and when it comes to integrity. And what I wanted to do today is I wanted to share from 1 Corinthians chapter 1 to show that this is nothing new. But it appears that things are growing worse. Uh, there's been a drop in uh, church attendance. If you just speak to anybody who uh, is really committed to worshiping, uh, they might tell you that there has been a drop in the number of people who are attending worship services. Uh, moreover, th there appears to be uh, a drop-off when it comes to individual serving. And what I mean by that is, and I'm not talking about showing up for worship service, but I mean actually being involved in what happens uh, when worship service take place. Uh, many people go to seek something. They don't think of worship as being something that they are going to contribute to. In other words, rather than looking for something when they arrive for the worship experience, they're bringing something to the worship experience. Most people want to know when they worship what's in it for me. Instead of what can I add to it. And so I want to share from 1 Corinthians chapter 1. I'm going to read at the, the beginning. And I'm going to take you through to verse 19. I'm coming out of the New King James Version. 
if you are using some other version. And if you'll be patient with me again, today's topic is has the church lost credibility with society? Um, I solicit your calls if you have a comment or if you disagree. Whatever your interest might be, I want to hear from you. Again, we have a local number, and that local number is 702-650-5588. And for those of you outside of the Las Vegas area, the long-distance toll-free number is 800-366-8883. Now, we're in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. And I'm going to begin at verse 1, and this is something that Paul is noted for. He's always noted for these tremendously great greetings. And so he starts out with, Paul called to be an apostle of Jesus Christ through the will of God, and Sothenus, our brother. Now, what Paul has done right here at the outset is he's established the authority that he has to speak on behalf of of the Lord and so he identifies himself as an apostle and then he mentions this brother Sosthenes and um, this brother probably was uh, Paul's secretary um, a former leader of the Corinthian synagogue who had become a brother um, in Christ, on one occasion, he was beaten for bringing Paul before the civil court at Corinth. And you can read that in Acts 18, verses 12 through 17. Verse 2 reads, To the church of God which is at Corinth, to those who are sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints with all who in every place call on the name of Jesus Christ our Lord both theirs and ours now what it sounds like right here in verse 2 is that Paul is giving this great salutation and he's saying all these great things about these individuals that he's addressing. He tells them that they are sanctified and called to be saints. I mean, it really sounds like these people are doing some really great Christian work. It, it sounds as if they're at their post and they're delivering like they're supposed to. And he even goes a little bit further than that. In verse 3 he says, Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Now that ought to pump anybody up. That ought to get anybody excited. Amen. And then in verse 4 he says, I thank my God always concerning you for the grace of God which was given to you by Christ Jesus. That you were enriched in everything by him in all utterance and all knowledge even as the testimony of Christ was confirmed in you now that sounds mighty good I mean it's like he's telling them they got everything they need to perform ministry and to function effectively in it 
I mean, it looks like right now these people are on a roll. And then verse 7 goes on to say, So that you come short in no gift, eagerly waiting for the revelation of our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 8, Who will also confirm you to the end that you may be blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 9, God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Now, at this point, if I'm reading this letter, and that's as far as I've gotten, right now, uh, my spirit is happy. I'm cheered up, fired up, ready to go. But then, and this is something that Paul has a habit of doing, he comes back in verse 10 and says, Now I plead with you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing, and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly joined together, in the same mind and in the same judgment. Verse 11, For it has been declared to me concerning you, my brethren, by those of close household, that there are contentions among you. Now I say this, verse 12, Now I say this, that each of you says, I am Paul, I am of Paul, or I am of Apollos, or I am of Cephas, or I am of Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? Now this goes back to what I was reading. Because there appeared to be a discussion about which denomination, because I consider the Catholic Church a denomination has the greater authority. And here we see that these individuals in the church at Corinth were struggling with division or sectarianism. Now those of us from the old school we call it sex. Sex when it not not S E X but S E C T and clicks. We call them clicks in the church. Now it talks about a closed household, and apparently there was ministry um, in her household. It says uh, probably a, a prominent person in the Corinthian church who had written or come to visit Paul in Ephesus to tell him of the factors in the church. It is not known whether Clove uh, was a man or a woman, but we do know that there was some activity in her house that had to be related to the church. And she believed or he believed that it was necessary that Paul get the information 
about the conduct of those believers who made up the church at Corinth. It appears here that people weren't really sold on Christ alone. Uh, we know that when we come to faith in Christ, we understand that it is uh, uh, by faith alone, a sole fide, it's a, uh, about uh, grace alone. Uh, sola grace and Christ alone, sola Christos. And here it appears that people were more interested in uh, who they wanted to follow in terms of a man than they were in following Christ and following the word of God. And Paul wanted to make sure that they understood that neither Apollos or Cephas or himself took precedence over the word of God or even stood side by side with Christ. Uh, none of us can be Jesus, but we ought to be striving to be like him. And so Paul was confronting them. Remember, after he had built them up, told them how great they were, how great they were doing how they'd been equipped to carry out ministry and to do it effectively. But now he says, I have a problem with you. Now, I just want to, for a moment, move away from the scripture. And I want to look at some current events. Not long ago, we had a pastor from South Carolina at the Republican convention to stand and to declare that the enemy of the Republicans were the Democrats. Now, he didn't say the Democratic Party. He said Democrats. Now, we know that there's probably going to be a whole lot more minorities that are a part of the Democratic movement or who are listed as Democrats then there would be individuals who have means and that's not to say that there are individuals who have means that aren't Democrat but I would say that the majority of those who are Democrat are individuals who are uh, not people of means now it, it really shocked me because it just so happens that this pastor who was giving this opening, it was supposed to be an opening prayer, happened to be Afro-American or black. Now, I, I prefer the term black because to me Afro-American is just the politically correct term. Uh, what, I, what I saw and, and the conclusion I drew, and I'm not saying that I have to be right, but I believe I am is that this person was compensated for getting up and saying and doing what he did. Which, that right there is probably not something that only I thought, but there was a number of people who conferred with me, communicated with me, corresponded with me, who believed the same thing. And so now... We understand why there's a possibility, a tremendous possibility, 
that uh, the church is losing credibility with society because we see things happening and when people are on uh, you know uh, international television because in our nation that's not the only place that this stuff can be aired or be seen then the questions start to arise you know is this an a person of integrity and can this person be trusted is what this person is saying and doing credible and that cast another dark shadow if you will over the church because who is he representing when he stands there and he's praying he's representing God he's representing the word of God he's representing the church and that does not mean that what he's saying and doing is right and that the church is responsible, but certainly individuals who are not a part of the church and who don't really understand that, you know, he's a man just like anybody else, they're looking at him as an authority. So that sends the wrong message. Here, when we go back to verse 12 in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, Paul says, now I say this, that each of you says, I am of Paul. Now he included himself. He says, or I am of Apollos, or I am of Cephas, or I am of Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you, or were you baptized in the name of Paul? I really believe that today we have gotten away from the bottom line. And it's the word of God. And we can see over in Galatians that they, that Paul warned them about people who would come in with false doctrine. And he said he was shocked that they'd turn away so soon. Amen. Let's take this caller. Hello, you on Save the Lost at All Costs. Praise the Lord. How you doing today? This is Susan. Hi, Susan. How you doing? I'm wonderful. God bless you. Um, I wanted to call in and I wanted to make a statement concerning um, when you begin to talk about the beginning of the first couple of verses that Paul began to speak. Okay. And what came to mind is that I'm a mother and I have three children and um, I love them. And But when it's time for me to correct them or to rebuke them or to help them understand a principle uh, concerning the household responsibilities, I will let them know, listen, you are smart, and I love you, and you can do it. And first what I'll do is I'll begin to uh, tell them who they are and give them confidence in their identity on who they are and to let them know that I love them. And then I will begin to tell them what it is that I don't like and help them understand why I don't like it, and then I will set the boundaries as how we are going to move forward from this day forth concerning whatever um, has occurred in the household. Amen. So when Paul talks about his authority and as a mother, then I make that establishment as well. Now, listen, I am your mother. Mm Mm-hmm. I am the head of the household, so that means that what I'm about to say gives me the right 
to say what I'm going to say. Amen. And then Paul goes on to talk about, yes, the spiritual gifts that um, that God had given to the people at Corinth. But now now that you're talking about um, the sectarianism in sin, is sin concerning um, I am Paul, I'm Apollos, and I am Cephas. And you read the information about the young man and, I mean, the woman, and you talked about how the young man got up. Well, right now I am studying about um, the spectrums of evangelicalism. Mm -hmm. And um, it has a lot about what you're just talking about. But what I'm learning in my own walk of purification as I walk through the fires of the Word of God and being purified, I'm learning that when I speak or when I pray or when I'm talking or giving counsel, that everything is filtering through my level of wisdom, my level of understanding, my level. So if there is a whole bunch of misunderstandings and false doctrines and lies and deceptions bound up in my soul, which is my heart and my will and my mind, then when I begin to speak about something, if I have not gone through that purification process and seeking God's wisdom to be able to stand firm on what I'm talking about, then it becomes distorted. And so then you have all of these people that are looking up to you on this platform, and they are being distorted too because that person has not gone to God to get the correct answer for the people. And so your question, your 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 topic about uh, the church and society well, when I came into the faith, and I'm going to close, the first thing that the Spirit of God taught me was about holiness. Be ye holy, for I am holy. And every time I say, God, make me holy, he sends me through this fire of purification for my soul, which is my mind, my emotions, and my will, and helping me to shed off things that aren't like him that I may be a better witness, a better mother, a better counsel, uh, a better prayer warrior to those that are around me. Amen. So I just wanted to add that. <laughs> okay, well, I appreciate your call and uh, your um, feedback or your input. And, um, you know, what you were saying is true. You know, I mean, it does not matter where you are. I mean, you could... Uh, I mean, such as the pastor that opened up the Republican convention with, with the prayer. I mean, he could have 5,000 members. That don't necessarily mean that he's at a level of maturity in his Christian growth and experience that, you know, he really understands, well, for one, uh, the consequences because you, you can get in front of the people and you can present yourself as something that you're not, but Jesus really knows who you are and what you are. Yes. And like, for instance, we may think, oh, God, I need money, I need this, and I need that, and God is saying, no, be still. What you need is to sit down and be disciplined in your household responsibilities. You need to be disciplined in reading the Word. You need to be disciplined in receiving the Word because you said something about, well, 
maybe I heard it in my spirit, about having a form of godliness and denying the power of this word to transform us and to transform our minds because we were born into this dark place. We were born into sin and in iniquity. And when you have that encounter with the light, when you have that encounter with love, it changes you. It awakens your spirit. But it should. Soul, Amen. It should. Yes. Your soul still has to go through a process of being filtered and cleansed and, you know, How about and healed and delivered. Amen. So when Amen. we see people that stand up like that on the platform and begin to say all of those things, then as a person of insight who's discerning the spirit, uh, we need to pray. And Amen. we need to ask God to send people and place them in positions that who have gone through the purifying process, who have walked, you know, through uh, the coals and the fires, and they have gone to God and they've sought God and they've disciplined themselves to be still before God, to get the right word. Well, we thank you for your call, uh, Sister Susan, and uh, we appreciate, uh, you know, your support. Thank you. God you bless you. Have a blessed day and continue a good work in the Lord. All right. Thank you. God bless you. Hello. You're on Save the Lost at all costs. Hello. You're on Save the Lost at all costs. Hey, man of God. How you doing, Pastor Terry? Sister Nina. Hey, Sister Nina. How you doing? I'm blessed. God My bless mother you. and I are here listening. I just wanted to let you know we are attentive and we appreciate what you're doing and what you're speaking about today. It's very needed and it's very relevant and we as believers need to really, really understand. Amen, amen, amen. Well, tell mom uh, that I said hello and uh, brother Roger that I'm praying for, uh, you know, easy delivery um, for mom and the baby and um, that you guys have you guys I want, have a safe uh, our listeners to understand that they have to be doers and not just hearers of the word. Amen. It does not matter where they are, what the church is doing or what the church is not doing, they have a responsibility because they gave their life to Christ. Amen. And that's Amen. what they need to focus on and not be caught up because we all are going to be tested and we have no idea if he's testing us to see if we are really authentic in him. It could be some things that God has set up in the church to see if we're really his and if we're going to follow him. So people should not assume that this is something that was not orchestrated by God. You have one proper response, and that is to stay with him and to do what he commands you to do if you are truly his child. Amen. Amen. All right. We love you. Okay. We love you, too. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. Amen. We have another caller. Hello, you on Save the Lost at All Costs? Hey, Pastor, how you doing, man? I just wanted to call and, and, and just congratulate you being back, and God has healed you. And uh, KKVB Christian Radio Talk Show, Save the Lost at All Costs, has been an inspiration in my life. Uh, it has caused me to get some clean time and... Uh, I am so grateful to start this journey with Christ. Amen. Amen. 
and and to help others to uh to do the same. You know, it's, it's all it's all about winning souls for Christ. Amen. Amen. Well, I appreciate um you know your prayers and you know I'm still um, struggling uh, in a sense when it comes to my health, but you know uh, I know what uh, the Lord told. Uh, Paul, he said, my grace is sufficient. Um, and so and that's how I look at it. When God gives me the strength to do what I'm doing, if he, you know, gives me another day when, I, when I'm up and people ask me, how you doing? I say, any day that I wake up is a good day. Amen. Not Amen. that, not Amen. that it's going to be a bad day when he called me home because I have a home in eternity. Amen. So Amen. I'm not concerned about it. I do what I can and I do what he gives me the strength to do. But I appreciate your calling and your encouragement and the walk that you're talking about, brother. Stay on it, because guess what? You have that walk uh, to be in for the rest of your natural life. Amen. Amen. And I also, you know, it's. It, 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 now it's not so much for me, but it's, it's to go out to help others. You know, it's, it's about giving back. Amen. There's uh, a lot of struggling souls out here that is, have gotten caught up with the uh, the opiate addiction, uh, the cocaine addiction, and all the other addictions. Absolutely. Uh, and, and, and we need to be a voice and, and, and let them know we care. And, and, and my experience, strength, and hope. Hopefully, it will be somebody else's story, and they, and then the light will come on. Amen, amen. Well, I agree with you. I work with people, you know, even now, in recovery. Of course, you know, I'm a product of recovery. Um, uh, over 29 years and six months clean and sober. So, uh, I, I can understand what you're saying. That you realize that when you are actively involved in the process of recovery and you're working with other people, uh, you're not just helping them. You're helping yourself because that keeps you connected. It keeps you involved. It keeps you in that process. So keep it up, brother. Thank you. And tell tell Sister Nina, I said God bless her, and I thank her for, for, for being there for me. She hear you. She's listening. Amen. <laughs> Praise God. Praise God. God bless you all, and God bless save the loss of our cause. God bless you and your family, brother. Bye-bye. Bye. Amen, amen. Well, those were some interesting calls, uh, encouraging calls. Um, Minister Nina was saying that, you know, God may be testing us to see uh, what our commitment is, whether there is a commitment, you know. Um, but God is omniscient. He don't he don't need to test us to see anything about where we're at, but I agree that he does test us, but it's not so he can know. It's so other people can see. Now how we respond is going to send a message to people as to whether we are genuinely in the faith or if we're still pretending. And this is not about reputation because people can get too caught up in saving their face rather than saving their backside. I wanted to get back to 1 Corinthians chapter 1 
and I wanted to pick up where I left off in verse 14. Um, Paul went on to say, I thank God that I baptized none of you except for Crispus and Gaius, lest anyone should say that I had baptized in my own name. Look like Paul now is throwing out a disclaimer. Verse 16, he says, Yes, I also baptized the household of Stephanus. Besides, I do not know whether I baptized any other. For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with wisdom or words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of no effect. Now we know that there are people who misunderstand what baptizing represents. Baptism is symbolic. Baptizing does not save anyone. What it is, is it's a symbol. One, it identifies with the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. And then the other one is, it's a public announcement. And you know, back in the day, back in like 70 A.D., you know, somewhere between 64 and 70 A.D., uh, baptism was a very serious matter. Um, when people got baptized then, they weren't fooling around or shucking and jiving because it was a serious matter to do it. It was done publicly, and they had a guy named Nero who would send out his henchmen to spy on those who were being baptized. And when they saw who were being baptized, they would uh, lynch or, I'll say lynch, uh -oh. <laughs> but they would actually seek them out to kill them. Because getting baptized then, since it was a public uh, event, Anybody could see who was getting baptized. And baptism could cost you your life. So the people who did it, they weren't fooling around because they knew how serious it was. You have individuals right now that will tell you when you tell them something about being baptized, they say, well, I'm not ready yet. I'm still doing certain things in my life. I've had, I can't tell you countless individuals to tell me. Uh, something like that when I tell them they need to get baptized because there's still this seriousness about it but most people don't understand that back in that day around 64 to 70 AD it was a serious thing for you to get baptized and it's done publicly because it could actually cost you your life. There's individuals that I have seen wearing crosses. And I've asked them if they understood what it represented. And I've asked them, do you ever think of the possibility that one day that cross could cost you your life? That you're wearing. And so this is what I'm saying. That sometimes we take things out of context. And, and actually, the, the word baptism, it, it's the word baptizo, and it really means to become one with. It is as if you're taking a white cloth and putting it in red dye. And when you take it out, 
it's become one with the dye. So it's no longer identified as the white cloth, but now it is red. And we would use that to represent the blood of Jesus. It's just like when somebody looks upon us as a believer, they might still see that person that we were prior to receiving Christ. But when the Father looks down from heaven, what he sees is the blood. So what he sees is perfect, while we're not. Let me make that clear. What the Father sees is the blood of Christ covering us. Those of us who have received Christ, he sees that blood that is perfect. But we're not. Amen. It's the blood he sees and not us because truth be told, some of us are a long ways from where we ought to be in this walk in our life. And some of us who have been believers, we've been Christians for many years, but we've never really gotten involved in discipleship. We've never really taken time to do the things that's necessary to be a disciple. We probably haven't grown much. But I'll tell you today that the church has to take a stand. And when I say take a stand, I'm talking about against sin. A lot of people want to talk about gays in church and, and, and gay leaders in the church and all of that. But it's sin. If you are hetero, if you're heterosexual, that means you're you're straight, but you are sleeping with somebody that's not your husband or your wife, or if the members are sleeping with one another. I know since I've been here in Las Vegas, I've known at least three churches that had members where the pastor got members pregnant, and they were and the pastor was married. Sin is sin. Straight or gay or otherwise. And if we don't call people on their sin, it is almost definite the church is going to lose credibility with society. You're going to have people that leave the church because they're hurt and they'll vow to never darken the doors of another worship setting. We have to be careful, those of us who know Christ and we're carrying a message, especially those of us who are standing at the platform and people are looking to us for leadership. We have to find a way to correct the things that are going wrong in the church so that when the people come to the church, it's a place of security. It's a, a place of protection. It's a place of healing. It's a place of making what's crooked straight. So we got to get the crookedness out and make sure that the straight is in. In the meantime, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not unto your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he shall direct your path. Proverbs uh, chapter 3, 5 and 6. We have to do that. We have to trust God. When we think we have a better idea, we want to add God to our plan, that's where we're going wrong. We better get in God's plan. We better become a part of God's plan. And we have to call people on their mess. If they're not living right, if they're contradicting the word, if they are 
telling people that the Bible says something and it's not really in the Bible. We need to call them on that. And we can't allow people to be involved with cliques and sex if the if the leaders have to mix it up when the service is going on say I want everybody to stand I know you're in the spot you usually sit in but I want everybody to go sit next to somebody that they don't normally sit next to everybody has to believe that they belong and that they are a part of regardless of whether they just got there or they have a title we can't get caught up in titles and we can't get caught up in who has to say so because we are all or we should all be servants amen and I believe that the church has lost credibility with society to some degree but I think that we can restore that credibility if we take a stand I want you to continue listening Minister Nino will be back next Sunday. I appreciate those of you called in and those of you who are listening. And God bless and keep you is my prayer. Save the loss at all costs. It is our humble prayer that the Most High God of all creation and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ continues to bless you and yours without cease for tuning in today and supporting this great move of God with your generous donations. Save the Lost at All Costs is a Holy Spirit filled, live called in weekly radio ministry that has been airing since 2005 and serving in the greater Las Vegas community. We can be heard every Sunday at 302 p.m. Pacific Standard Time on Las Vegas. Vegas's very own Christian Talk radio stations, 1060 AM and 101.5 FM. Also, we are audio and video streamed in real time during our live broadcast at www.kkvv.com and our website, www.savethelostlv.org. If you would like to re-listen to a previous broadcast at no charge, make an online secure donation, or learn more about our ministry, please visit our website at www.savethelostlv.org. If you prefer, you can mail in a donation. Address it to Save the Lost at All Cost, Inc., P.O. Box number 335852, North Las Vegas, 89033. Again, our P.O. Box number is 335852, North Las Vegas, 89033. All donations made to Save the Lost at All Costs, Inc. are 100% tax deductible. For more information, please feel free to call or text us at 702-219-6882. Again, 702-219-6882. We would like to thank you again. Remember to remain in Christ, stay prayed up, tune in, and don't forget to save the lost at all costs, no matter what. Why don't you bless this ministry? Yes, that's right. Bless them by calling them, emailing them, and share with them that their ministry has blessed you. You can do it. It means they're making a difference here in Las Vegas. Besides, it helps them stay on the air.